damn. I'm so high, I can't even talk. <laughs> I'm so high, I can hear heaven. Oh no, Rogers and Bastion is a flower. Damn, we stayed on topic, okay. too. So I just went downstairs and grabbed two beers. Grab my last Rocket Pop Goza and. The black is beautiful from uh from Zony Mash. Mm. On a scale of one to ten, I'm feeling give or take like daddy. <laughs> I'm by a scale of one to ten. I'm feel, I'm feeling kind of a little, a little bit give or take like a daddy. <laughs> like a daddy. They did him uh, like a dog. <laughs> I see them uh, through the window. I see what they do. Uh, tonight's episode. The magic uh, is back. Yes. The magic is back. Uh, tonight's episode is going to be the. Um, if we had the choice of introducing a Marvel villain and a Marvel hero that heretofore have not been in the MCU, who would we introduce and how would we introduce them? Um, so this should be a pretty interesting one. Um, who would like to volunteer to go first? I volunteer Cody. God damn it. I hate you. I was like, I feel like I'm always <laughs> stuck going first. It's going to happen again. Um, all right. That's fine. So, I'll start with Hero, because um, I'm probably most stoked about this one, and I feel like we'll have the most dialogue on this one. Um, I feel like for Hero, I choose Storm, uh, and Storm, as we all know, is prominently known for her mm -hmm. time and role in the X-Men, not necessarily the Avengers, although I think she does join them at some point. Brett, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason that I choose Storm is because she um, she's two things, I think, all in one. She is an easy or a, a smoother segue into introducing us to that side of the MCU that we haven't been exposed to yet, at least not under MCU's terms. Um, and then two, she is also greatly affiliated with a character that we have been introduced to, which is Black Panther. Um, so in many, in many forms and many appearances, she is eventually the, the wife and, you know, I'm guessing queen uh, right. companion to Black Panther. So I think that for me, not only was Storm as, or Holly Berry as Storm, was mm -hmm. she pretty good in all the movies that I saw, but I was like more engaged with learning the lore of Storm after watching those movies. Um, and she's just got a really interesting backstory. And not only that, but I feel like we are missing, or we will be missing soon, in my opinion, some very like leader-esque qualities in some of the people that we still have left um, in a sense that like something like what Steve Rogers was able to bring in terms of leadership. I think we've seen that in T'Challa, and I feel like kind of challenging him or putting him on the spot with like, you know, a female counterpart that maybe gets him to question, you know, some of the decisions he's making and, and maybe even challenges him to be a leader could be awesome uh, to have like more of a female lead role, kind of like what I think they're aiming to do with Carol Danvers. Um, but also, I just feel like it is an easy open door to allow us an introduction to the X-Men. So I don't know if you guys have any general thoughts on that. Agree, disagree. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I agree that um, it's probably the easiest bridge into no, I think the X Men. Um, I think the only other way that you could bridge the X Men in is to just like randomly plop one of the known X Men in another movie. But you know, at that point, you're just doing it to do it. This at least has a storyline. Right. Yeah, you can take a relationship that's there, and you can build on that. Um, and, and like going with the idea that Storm has been in Wakanda this entire time. You know, 
Like something that she's always been there and now, hey, I, I can control the fucking weather, question mark, and then like try to figure out how... I would want to see like full blown origin stories for each individual X Men. I think that would be tedious as hell. Um, but I do think that like what you just described could happen in a Black Panther standalone film, right? Like mm. we're introduced yep. to Storm, you know, via like she's fighting Agreed. alongside, you know, uh, the Wakanda troop, and she's just like, holy shit, what's going on? What's happening? And yeah, then absolutely. we're sort of like, you know, as a inside of that film's premise, we're exploring the idea that there's maybe way more going on on the you know mutant side of things than we've maybe been exposed to. Um, yeah. So I I would love that. That's my preferred if we do that. That is my preferred introduction of mutants in the MCU. Um, they're just kind of discovering their powers and then discovering each other. And then as this gets back to our main cast, everybody starts putting these puzzle pieces together and figuring out. Okay, there's obviously something much bigger going on here, and we're not exactly sure why, and we need to figure this out because. Not everybody that right. gets these powers are not. Yeah, gonna, yeah and I, I do think that there will be some introduced. Are not like, going to all be a, a good bad people, example. It's the first know, one that so. comes to mind. You had characters like yeah, Pyro, like, yeah. you know, in the X Men movies that uh, Brian Singer and them did that are just kind of like notoriously like punks. You know, like they're not they're not they're not necessarily punks in a sense that like they have bad motives, but they understand the suppression that they're facing and they're painted in a bad light because of it. You know, so I hope I hope that they still give those characters plenty of room to shine. Mm. I also think with Storm, right? I think yeah, cool they lean into it. Relationship with she has these now powers, and now Black Panther is going to train her on how to control the power, and then that turns into the relationship that draws them closer. And then, I yeah, I agree. Not full blown origin, but showing that as the relationship starter for them to turn into okay, we're going to get married, have a kid, all this stuff. So I I think there's a story there that y'all y'all painted a good picture of. Um, so. As far as the the uh, villain is concerned, uh, the villain is technically Absolutely. we've talked about this in other ways, but I I literally can't escape how much I want him to be a part of all this, which is Harry Osborn. Um, and for Harry Osborn, I feel like one I just had a huge attachment to him, like in the yes, the James Franco yeah. versions of the Sam Raimi movies, because I just fucking adore them. Anyone can call me whatever they want, um, but so. <laughs> I actually have the, the cutout from This is the End where uh, James Franco you is flying James around that glider. It's it's in my bathroom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Every goddamn way. Look me in the eyes, damn it. I will come wherever I want to. Um, I don't have that cutout, but that would be sad. Um, so I guess oh, Christmas, you right. Will. I feel like the reason that I want to see him so badly is because that dynamic of like friends who became enemies is just a really, really cool concept to be explored. Um, and not only that, but I feel like in our version of Peter Parker, you know, played by Tom Holland in that group, I feel like we have the relationship between Peter and Ned, which is, you know, the comedic relief for lack of a better way of putting it. And Ned's cool. But I feel like if we got introduced to Harry in such a way that, you know, we, I, I think, and many of us have talked about this like offline, but like what happens to Stark Tower and like all those assets, right? And a lot of us have like said, like, well, it could easily become Oscorp and sort of be taken over by Norman. Um, and I feel like for me, bringing him in would potentially look like, you know, right. um, Norman comes in, takes over the tower, buys it. Everyone's obviously aware, like this is a huge public figure at this point, and it, it catches Peter's attention, but more so when he becomes a classmate to what seems like a very disturbed maybe or put off you know harry osborne um and he's sort of drawn to some specific event that he witnesses i, I even had like a, a, a image in mind of like 
uh, Harry's getting out the car one morning, right? And Norman's just like chewing him out or like really kind of putting him down. And like Peter and him sort of bond in this moment. Um, and it, through their interactions and through like even him, you know, maybe hanging out with him and Ned and what have you, like he's just sort of a part of this group. There's like a certain darkness that gets explored. And Peter, you know, eventually gravitates to it. He's curious. He's suspicious, albeit just because of his relationship with Tony. Um, and, and sort of that spirals into, again, I imagine this maybe being a Spider-Man standalone where this happens spirals into a situation where he's pitted against him in a way where he has to sort of make a decision. Like, do I want to honor what I thought was Tony's legacy and what we stood for? Or, you know, am I on team, the kid that I befriended a few months ago and now we're close, you know, like some dynamic where he's having to explore, you know, a possible darkness that he hasn't really had to face yet in terms of like actually making like a, this is good or this is bad decision without Tony around. Um, and, and maybe making that be jeopardizing enough that it literally puts him against a, a long scene rival. Yeah, I think, first of all, very well put. Um, I, I don't believe that we're going to see right. the Peter and Harry relationship develop the way that we did in the Raimi films, right? I think it's going to be something uh, pretty drastically different. And we'll get, we'll, I'll touch a little bit more on this when um, we get around to me, uh, because I picked Norman, uh, spoiler alert. Um, but I think the idea is that Norman would be the inverse Tony Stark. Like, he's if Tony Stark right. was a right. full blown narcissistic asshole, uh, well, he is a narcissistic asshole, but you get what I mean. Like, if he had no redemptive qualities at all, that's normal. <sighs> and imagine having that figure come into Pete's life. Uh, so he's sort of like this anti Stark. And then the Peter to him is his actual son, Harry. So, you know. Peter will be able to draw parallels there. And I think, you know, you think of the, like, for me, I think of the parts of a wrestling match, right? I think of the the shine, the cutoff, the heat, the hope, all these things that happen in order. And I can see them happening in order with, with Harry and Peter. Like, I can see Harry being miserable. I can see him kind of opening up to Peter a little bit. And then right when he's starting to feel maybe I can be comfortable in some sort of friendship here, something happens, boom. I don't know if he goes like full blown supervillain, but he absolutely turns on Spider Man, turns on Peter, um, and then it's a, a redemption yeah, arc definitely. that takes, I would say, probably a, a pretty decent amount of time. Um, and I'm, I'm sure at some point, with especially because the Osborns are involved, all of the goblins will be involved too. Um, and I could see that easily standing alone from the Sinister Six as like a major Spider Man event. With Hobgoblin, Green Goblin, and Proto Goblin, and all the fucking goblins all kind of becoming an issue with the Osborne family and shared psychosis and all kinds of stuff. So that would be really interesting to see how um, the MCU is going to handle Peter, Peter and uh, <laughs> uh, not Norman, Peter and. <laughs> so, but Cody, Peter. I actually. <laughs> Peter and Harry's your, your, your picture. What if it, it was Norman that he was attracted to as almost a replacement to Iron Man? Nipples. So, yeah, and, I really like that too. No, yes, yeah, sexually, like, he, like he's like, like he's, he, he approaches things different than Tony. And he, you're right, he's suspicious, but he's like, this guy's trying to do entrepreneurship. He's trying to like the things that Tony wasn't good at, where Tony was kind of a prick and a little bit about himself and egotistical, which was why we all loved him. But like. Norman's like all about philanthropy and like making the town better and doing all this other stuff. And like, he's gravitating like, oh, okay, cool. And, and like Harry is his son who's kind of the eyeball. And then it turns, there's a switch. 
that happens where you know obviously you know the climax boom and then it happens and then everything goes to shit but almost he feels like maybe maybe norman's gonna bring hope where uh tony did yeah and there's almost a sense of trying wow yeah well that right there yeah that right there could be the conflict like that right there is is Peter looking. He's not for ready to be Iron to replace. Like he's Tony, not ready to be. He's not intending to, and he just sort of right. He just sort of falls into the the uh, waiting, right. coddling arms of Norman Osborn, and then yes. Harry. Yeah, honestly, I can see. I can see more attention. What we know of the current MCU. Either one works, that th- yes. them go that yeah. route. You know, more likely than the first. And I might even like it better from a screenplay perspective because I feel like I, I guess it really depends on casting too, man. Because like somebody's gonna have yeah. to sell the absolute shit out of Norman Osborn, you know, and, and right. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I can see that hundred really percent, dude. Who would play Harry though? Who is wait, Cody said uh <laughs> Timothy Chalamet Shia LaBeouf. Yep. I love Harry that. Osborne. It's so look, that's Tom Holland has done such a fantastic like job with Spider-Man. That's They're not, gonna have to put a good counter one. next to him. Like it can't be a no name. Like they got to put someone really yeah. solid. Ned's last name was Osborne. <laughs> You're proud of yourself? Jeez. <laughs> you, proud of yourself you feel good now? <laughs> <laughs> you feel good now. <laughs> Feel like a big man. I'm funny like, like a big a man. Feel like a big man. Hmm? Okay. You feel like a man when you push your arm? Uh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to get red. Not a face, in here. I apologize. <laughs> well, since we're since we're on the um, since we're on the topic of the Osborns, um, I'll hey, just, just I'll segue into my villain since this that's the easiest that's the easiest thing since we're on the topic. Hey, hold up a second. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and segue into my villain. Does anybody else gotcha. have an issue with me segueing into my villain? <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll, cl- I'll, I'll clear for segue. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, yeah, Norman, right? Um, so, what, uh, since we've already talked pretty much uh, a pretty good bit about the Osborns here just now, um, I'll open up this question. Um, Norman Osborn, let's say that he uh, he does, let's say Oscorp does take over Stark Tower, and let's say it's one of those shrewd business moves where Norman's like, "Ha, I got you, bitch," because it's like one of like Stark was one of his his big rivals in the business world. Um, do you see Norman Osborn introduced up front? Like, is he the selling point of a film, or do you see him introduced like on the back end, like at the very like the end, end of the film, kind of way. maybe in? Like a post credits or uh, something I don't like that. Know, dude. I picture, I picture this. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Credit where, um, uh, oh god, I blanked. Tony's wife, Pepper Potts. Pepper, Pepper Potts. She's like, there's like a round table, like with a. Tur- oh yeah. Yeah, like they're like they're like with the Pepper attorneys and things Potts. like that, and they're like signing paperwork, and then like, and then she goes, okay, you know, like you you own the building now, Mister Osborne, and he kind of turns around and he goes like in that kind of reveal and then you're like oh shit like norman osborne just bought you know but, avenger but then Tower. it kicked and there another movie you know like then and like we don't get we don't get anything regarding the osborne yeah see Spider-Man. that's why i disagree with that only because i feel like they're gonna okay. do something like and i think we've we've talked about this exact situation before but in aquaman which i hate to use that as an example but how they did um black manta 
yeah how there was almost like a villain <laughs> that wasn't Walker. necessarily the central focus but he had enough weight that like he almost carried the first half of the film i feel like i would see something like that but the osbournes being the second half like they're sort of like they have a build-up they have more explanation and then like there is that moment like nate just described where it's like oh my god he really just bought it but we knew enough to where he wasn't just a lingering post-credit situation you know like it, there was a build-up within that moment I think we get I think we get a swerve when it comes to Osborne. And what I say is uh, we've spoken about this a little bit before too, the benefactor, right? Uh, there's still that sort of air of mystery as to who who is the benefactor, who exactly is this? And I think what's going to end up happening is you get the implication, you get the feeling that oh shit, the benefactor is going to be Norman Osborne. This is going to be a huge thing. Uh, and the benefactor ends up being Thunderbolt Ross because it ends up being part of the Thunderbolts and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But that swerve, I think, is just going to be a red herring because I do think that Norman Osborn will be investing in the Thunderbolts. I think he will be partnered with General Ross on that project, mm -hmm. uh, sort of in a way that Tony would have been, you know. I feel like he's going to partner with Ross in that way because, again, that opens up. That opens up the, the door for Hammer because Justin Hammer is still around. Like Norman Osborne has to be involved on mm -hmm. that particular end yeah, of things. I, I think that's how and where. What I'm about to say kind of gives away my villain as well. But I, I think um, I, I kind of tie back to the end of Far From Home where they gave away Spider-Man's identity. And mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. the, the conflict of Spider-Man 3 is going to be Peter yep. Parker not being on the map. You know, like everybody knows who I am now. Now I have to get out of the public's eye, but also being Spider-Man too. Like that, that's what I imagine the, the inner conflict being. And I could see him going to Norman Osborn yeah. from a technology perspective that helps him get off the map or off the grid. And then the turning point is Norman Osborn assembles the beginnings of the Sinister Six with the information of, well, I know how to get to Peter Parker because I'm helping him. That's 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 where I see it. No, that's not bad. Yeah, at all. that's that's not bad. Yeah, it, it have to open. Mm -hmm. He's gonna have to open a lot of a lot of doors. Um, like he's there's gonna have to be a lot of doors that Norman can open that other people can't. A lot of information or technology that he has access to that a lot of people don't. Um, and if you want to talk about yeah. something like the Fantastic Four or somebody like uh, Reed Richards. Like Reed Richards is is your closest Tony Stark equivalent that isn't a, a major supervillain like uh, Norman Osborn that hasn't been introduced yet. So I mean, if Norman Osborn needs some sort of um, good guy financial scientific foil, um, then that's a great spot for Reed Richards to be in. There's there, there's a lot of there's a lot of I think they're going to let start Norman breathe a little bit before they introduce that. I think they want to build that character. Yeah, build that character up as or much as like yeah. humanly possible, and then boom, then you know, Fantastic yeah. Four Reed comes in. And, and I just I just see like I see the end credit reveal of the Sinister Six as more holy shit than the end credit reveal just being one person like Norman Osborn. Okay, that's fair. I, 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 yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think we get Norman Osborn like in the middle of a film, like someone says, you know, like Mr. Osborn, and we get that head turn that same moment that you're talking within about, a film, but I think it happens smack in the middle of a movie. He yeah, said, when Osborne you realize that, that yeah. oh, he's pulling the 
springs. Right. I, that's, I think that's when you get, um, I think that's when you get him. Um, and Hero. well, I guess if we're doing, um, and heroes back to back, um, I'll go with my hero. Uh, one of the things and I've said this before that I really like about the MCU and how it operates is, uh, you got Kevin Feige and his creative team. They will take heroes that aren't really very prevalent or, uh, you know, aren't really very publicly known and they'll pull them. He'll pull them out of obscurity and do something incredible with them. Obviously guardians of the galaxy is the greatest example of that thus far. Um, so I'm going to go with a completely left field hero that, uh, has potential to be involved in a couple of different ways, or his origin story can come in a couple of different ways. Um, and that is going to be century or the century, um, Sentry is a hero from the Marvel comics who actually started out as a drug addict. So he was literally a homeless crackhead. And uh, he's he's Jones and he's fiending, like he's going through withdrawals and he's trying to get his next fix. And he ends up breaking into a lab. Um, And he just so happens that one of the uh, one of the labs that he breaks into has this sort of experimental super soldier serum in it. Uh, this gold, uh, I, I forgot what the name is, but anyway, um, he takes it and he shoots it up to try and get high. Cause he sees them like injecting this into dudes and he sees them have a reaction and, you know, he doesn't know what's happening, but he's like, Oh, that shit is probably fucking great. So he breaks in and he shoots himself up and uh, wouldn't you know it, he explodes. Uh, and the actual quote from the comic is, with the power of a million exploding How suns. it feels to chew wow. five gum. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. um, injecting himself with the serum um, completely annihilates his his drug addiction and gives him... It, it, do, it does to him what it did yeah. to Steve Rogers. Um, and now he becomes, for the lack of a better term, he becomes Marvel's Superman in a way that Adam Warlock isn't. Um he becomes Superman. He can fly and he, you know, bulletproof and energy blasts and all this kind of stuff. He becomes your prototypical superhero. He becomes, yeah, he becomes, In real he becomes Brie Larson. Uh, he actually becomes Brie Larson. Um, but no, I think that's, uh, since we're getting a little uh, sort of leaning into the galactic or the cosmic MCU, um, I think that would be interesting to have somebody like that uh, someone alongside a Captain Marvel, someone alongside Nova, who's eventually going to come. Um, someone like Adam Warlock, who's definitely going to be a villain when he first shows I up. I disagree with you, but... Um, okay. There's going to need to be some... Interesting. Okay. I'm excited to hear that. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's going to be... you, you got to have some cool intergalactic space superhero battles, right? And I think Sentry fits in really well there. Love it. I'll go. And I agree with you. I'm, I'm good. Someone, someone pissed or shit. That. that was good. Can't wait. 100, 100% Colin. I, I, I know that flood. <laughs> I know that flood from 10 miles. I know that, I know that yeah. toilet. No, but I, I agree with you, man. Sorry, guys. My uh, but I think Feige is – I agree. When, when I saw your list, I was like, holy shit, that's such a good pull. Like, I was thinking Nova, but, like, I think – Sentry also is also like could absolutely do that too. Well, we yeah. know that Nova is coming, but, right? Like, but we know Nova's coming. Yeah, so he's, he's a given. Him. But I think Sentry is a little more. 
like you said, the cosmic Superman. Like he, there's there's a lot there that I think the MCU and the writers can go with. So I love it. Do you think he's gonna be a standalone, or how would he be introduced? Like in what I guess film would he be? Yeah, I think it would be a very it would be very interesting wow. standalone film because if you think about if you think about the the story for the guy, like I said, he's a he's a small time criminal, he's a drug addict, like he's like you know he's a piece of shit and then he ends up breaking into a lab and just getting a hold of the wrong shit and now this lab could be a number of different things it could be a lab that's testing super soldier serum it could be uh like a part of thunderbolts thing it could be uh, it could be oscorp it could be part of the uh maybe it's a pym laboratory and maybe it's not the pym particles but a new serum that it could be they're working on like it could be so many different things um, and the fact that he just happened to get a hold of a bad batch to try and get high, and now suddenly, well, not only do I not have an addiction anymore, uh, now I have muscles. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like imagine, imagine a piece of shit like that suddenly having these incredible, like near Doctor Manhattan esque powers that now has to learn responsibility. Like, he doesn't yeah. have the evil intent of being a, a supervillain. He's well, just that's a what I'm dumbass. saying. Like, I could see... And now like the Shazam of the Marvel. Like, so... Where... where? Yeah, if Billy Batson was a 13-year-old boy addicted <laughs> to heroin. Painfully similar. Painfully similar, yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, but, but that's why I see Sentry more of... Someone's going to help train him. Someone's going to help mentor him because obviously... He's, no, honestly, you, I think the opposite. I think the I think the intrigue just of Sentry's character fucking, is him oh having to learn yeah. how to be a responsible person I'd watch it. and like try to figure out and and not a comedy either. Like not not a Shazam style comedy. I feel like this guy is now. So, have any of y'all seen? Um, uh, it was that found footage superhero movie. Uh, it was so Chronicle. What was that movie called? Shit. Yes, Chronicle. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, y'all remember that movie? So does Dane mm-hmm. Dehan. Okay, imagine something. Imagine <laughs> yeah. something uh, chronicle okay. where this dude has powers now and he has to fucking figure out how to use them. And like, I don't want to be a superhero. I don't want this responsibility. But you can't do anything about it now. And now things are happening, and your help is needed because you have these abilities that no one had that, that you didn't have before, and that no one else has right now. And like. The, the crushing weight of that responsibility, uh, going back to Uncle Ben, with great power becomes great responsibility. The crushing weight of that and having to figure out, like, all right, well, like, I have a responsibility now because this is the position I'm in. I think that's a really interesting okay. arc. I'm about it. You sold sure. me on it. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll go. <laughs> all right, um, uh, who's Both up? of mine tie into what y'all have already said. Um, so for continuity's sake, I feel like it'll make it easier. Um, I'll start with Villain 2. Um, because mine is also in Spider-Man, and mine is Craven the Hunter, and I, I chose Craven, um, yeah. because I feel like it might be a red herring to sell people on in the trailer for Spider-Man Three to reveal something bigger, a la Norman Osborn, and also I chose him yeah. and my hero based upon them being kind of plugged as a seed already in the MCU. So Craven the Hunter's half brother is the Chameleon. Whose name is Dmitri Smerdyakov, who was actually the the driver of the bus sure. when they were going on a field trip in Far From Home. So, 
Chameleon is already in the MCU, right? And he's the master of disguise. So really you can pull that uh, scroll type move of like make him whoever yeah. you want. Like he could have been around this whole time. He never would have known. And maybe his true form was the guy that we saw as the bus driver. So I feel like Craven could really be introduced kind of easily. You know, Dimitri and Craven are having like a dinner or drink somewhere. And he's like, oh, I met this fuckhead spider kid. And Craven's like, oh, shit. Like, I'm the best hunter in the world. What do you, let's go kill him. And guess what? Now I know his real name. So like makes it all easier. So yeah, <laughs> let's go. So, like, kill you know, him. Craven's motivation, get a bitch. Yeah. what makes him a villain is that he's out to prove that he's the best hunter in the world. So like, what's the most you know, what's the most prized figure that is also somewhat of an animal right now? Spider-Man. So it's it's really easy for that to become target number one. And the fact that his identity was just revealed at the end of the movie makes it an easier target. So that's why I think the premise of Spider-Man 3 is going to be Peter needs to hide his identity because now he's getting hunted by this fucking crazy guy in leopard pants. And that's when like Norman shows up to help him when really Norman's like, guess what, Craven? I can help you find him. So I think that's going to be the conflict there. And it also introduces three villains in one movie. You get Chameleon, you get Craven, and you get Norman Osborn. On top of Scorpion, Vulture, and Mysterio, who have already been introduced. So there's your six. Bow, bow. Dr. Octopus. And Morbius is on his way, too. That's so all that's- interconnected, yeah. Especially because Vulture approaches that's, him. That's and, where yeah, I that's would great. see mine. That's and then awesome. my, my hero is um, kind of that anti-hero uh, approach as well, who is Namor. And Namor would actually fit yeah. into um, the the Black Panther world that Cody was describing earlier. Um, and that's another one where you can get kind of a twofer mm-hmm. out of one movie. So, you know, Black Panther's already an established hero. He's got his own franchise so far. So when Black Panther... Uh, three comes out. Obviously, there's going to have to be some sort of relevance post snap or you know post Infinity War to span the MCU. So yes. Storm is a great option to bring in a, you know a counterpart, and you know Storm and Black Panther's marriage and then divorce causes a, a whole nother ripple effect in in the comics that you can go down. But I feel like Namor is really easily plugged because number one, he's technically a mutant. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about Storm being a mutant and that being sort of right. discovered in Wakanda. Uh, and then you're like, holy shit, you know, mutants have kind of always existed. We're just sort of finding out about it. Um, that's that's an easy segue to other mutant movies, right. too. But Wakanda, you know, on the surface level is like this top, you know, you can view it as the new Atlantis, right? And Namor, whose dad was the right. the, the captain or king of Atlantis, um, Namor is like super pissed off at Landwalkers because Atlantis is no more, right? So I feel like it's really easy to introduce him as a villain because he's very spiteful towards um, towards people who live on land primarily, and is a really good contrast mm-hmm. to this maybe new love arc that Black Panther and Storm are starting to form. And then they, you know, them two fight Namor, and then they come to realize that there's like a, a bigger evil to fight. So you know, Namor sort of turns good, but. Namor's always been viewed as an as an anti-hero, and he's really quick to be, you know, one side or the other. Maybe not on on the level of Loki, but um, you know, he he kind of plays both sides. So um, I feel like that would be kind of easy. And as for Atlantis, yeah, yeah. exactly. 
the last thing I want to say too, what and the main reason I chose him is because he was also kind of plugged. So it it was really quick, and I can't find an image or anything to validate. So maybe no, I'm going. I know what you're talking about. Maybe yeah. I'm going crazy here, but in Far From Home, again to bring that up, Peter Parker's in a plane. They're getting ready to fly overseas, and he's scrolling through movies on the back of a plane headset, and it says Namor. Yep. So the fact that it's kind of yeah. Again, I can't find anything to validate this. So, if that didn't exist, whatever. That's one of many Namor teases throughout yeah, the MCU. In, they from had the one in Endgame when yeah. uh, Black Widow was doing the um, yeah port, and they they mentioned yeah Iron Man one. The fir- yeah fucking the first Iron Man. There is a spot on uh, Tony Stark's map of where oh. he's supposedly like researching metahumans. And there's a spot yeah. right over so the there's a, ocean. You know, there's a lot of yep. seeds that have been planted. So admittedly, my picks were chosen as ones that aren't too far of a reach um, and ones that are, that are easily um, accessible to just be plugged into the MCU uh, immediately. Even with the f- that are already in line. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need a Namor standalone. It'd be cool if we got yeah. it. But, like, it's really easy to introduce him in Black Panther. Craven, obviously, you don't need much for that. But, like... It's a really easy segue to bring him and his brother into the same exact movie. Very, very true. De- definitely. Um, I, actually, I will see those and I will raise you this. Uh, so Namor, I do think would be, I mean, I guess it would be cool to have a standalone movie, but it would be very difficult, I feel like, to have a Namor standalone film yep. where Aquaman's already been a thing because uh, they're so, so yeah. similar. Um, and you know, it's the risk. The I feel risk like versus, Namor being introduced. In, yeah, the risk versus the, the what? The risk versus the reward on that film yeah. is just not enough to try it. Yeah, I, I would. I would just. Uh, yeah, I would just rather him as part of the Black Panther film. So I, I think that's yeah. a better fit for him. Um, and as far as Craven is concerned, uh, I love the connection with Chameleon. Great spot on that. Good job, Nate. Um, I also think that. Craven does not come to New York to find Spider-Man because of his brother. I think fucking J. Jonah Jameson mm. hires him. Wow. I think he does a big special on the Daily Bugle like, this guy is the greatest hunter in the world and he'll find Spider-Man. He'll I want to listen to you do that for like an hour. And I think that's <laughs> Can you do the rest? <laughs> I want pictures of Spider-Man. All right, we um, can recast uh, J.J. now. <laughs> yeah right yeah oh that's so good <laughs> John Ham. John, John Ham. Uh, awesome so, uh, what is this uh, I asked for pictures of Spider-Man anyway um, yeah that would be really cool if he like hired Craven to come in um, and then Craven already had like m- maybe this was already decided on like maybe he was he maybe Craven's been tracking Spider-Man this whole time maybe that's why his brother is there already like you know, yeah, maybe J. Jonah Jameson just puts out a like bold that. like, "Bring me Spider Man's head, and I will give you ten grand." And Craven seasons like, guess what, bitch? I'll do it for free. I get to keep his head, but I'll do it for free. Extra sub that slaw. Instead of Jameson, you have you have delicious. No, Craven's you're right. You're right. Slaw guy. <laughs> he subs the fries. Craven is one hundred percent. No post extra slaw. Criminal. Right. What a fucking monster. Uh, All right, so I'll, I'll go next, and so Jason can close. Um, 
Absolutely. So the hero I want to see introduced is someone we've already seen before, but not quite the persona, uh, is the White Wolf. So we've seen we've seen Bucky be labeled as him in the movies already, but we haven't actually seen like what what he can be become and that's that's what I wanna see. And here I'll get into it real quick. In the comics, White Wolf is the what adopted older brother of T'Challa. And he basically grew up in the shadow of T'Challa after being born. He was like he he realized that he would never be like the true heir to the throne and all this stuff. It's, it's something that I'm not quite interested in seeing because we already kind of saw that with Killmonger. Mm-hmm. Um right. right. So the fact that they label Bucky is cool because I can see Bucky being uh, come to Black Panther. The, let me just say that the hope we have for Black Panther Two is is out of this world. Because yeah. I can, yeah, yeah I, can, <laughs> I can see Bucky and Black Panther Two already being contracted by Wakanda to lead their secret police, also known as the what Hot Zuray, if y'all know what that is in the comics. Uh, that uh, does not. You got no. Oh yeah. So. They basically hire a group of mercenaries, and I think I think the way that we can see it played out in the MCU is uh, you're basically like Bucky is lead, the leader of this secret police to protect Wakanda from like Wakanda open their borders to the world, so now pe- more people know about it, and also more people like Ulysses Claw will want their precious resources. So I, I feel like Bucky could be contracted to kind of like infiltrate because he already has like that assassin nature uh esque yeah nature right so yeah i mean we, we can see him do that uh <laughs> yeah not only do they open up the you know the starbucks but uh <laughs> right there's um, a starbucks in Honda. to go off a previous theory that i had about like the thunderbolts being like the main antagonist of falcon and winter soldier in Black Panther 2, Bucky has already like been on a mission to gather intel on the Weapon X program. Uh, mm. boy, I wrote all this shit down to try to keep my mind. Well, you're together, taking a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking notebook. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, shit, I feel underprepared. Sorry, I'm literally sitting here in my drawers. I mean, who isn't draws. though? So something we've we've seen, uh, like we we've already seen like the trailer for, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, where you see Sam throw the shield. And notice that it does something sort of different. Whenever you've seen Captain America's shield in previous times, like it bounces off of people and it kind of flies back to him. The theory is is that since it's stuck in the tree and we've seen Cap's shield get shattered in Endgame, the theory is that this is made out of adamantanium. How do you say that? Oh, adamantium. Adamantium. Adamantium, yeah. Yeah. So that so, uh, my theory is, oh yeah. So he's six in the tree. So maybe they've had a. Uh, God damn, I'm so high. I can't even talk. <laughs> I'm so high. I can hear heaven. I can hear heaven. Oh no, Why no, Sebastian. He's gonna fly away. <laughs> Damn, but, we stayed on topic okay. too. <laughs> so my question is like, I know, yeah, <laughs> incredible. Absolutely. Guys, we're good. How did how did Stark come into 
contact with the first vibranium to make cap shield to begin with his dad found that is a yeah is that found the where uh good question okay so i'm thinking maybe uh whenever the comet was flying into earth it maybe split up into two pieces one piece hit wakanda and and then wakanda flourished off of it and everything uh what what maybe just maybe what had the other piece like hit antarctica and now all of a sudden shield finds out about this and they have established a base down in antarctica and they pulled the vibranium from there to get the shield but they also had they also had stuff that they really weren't uh talking about because i mean shield is super secretive but come to find out uh when black widow spills all the secrets in uh in captain america the winter soldier thunderbolt ross finds out that that shield has a base down there and mm -hmm. i believe that we also haven't heard where shield was fabricating these weapons to combat uh thor and avengers one do y'all remember that scene when, when whenever they're talking about that about the weapons no refresh yeah, so, okay so they're using loki's scepter to fabricate weapons to combat thor because of the threat that he brought in in thor one so i believe that maybe this is the base in, in antarctica where they're using loki's scepter and also uh the the vibranium to just do tests thunderbolt ross finds out about this and he starts you know just doing tests on um starts doing tests on you know people in the super soldier serum all this good stuff and he basically creates weapon x and so are you bucky, suggesting that bucky, vibranium is made as like a knockoff or excuse me that adamantium is made as like knockoff vibranium no it it came from the same comment but because of the weather conditions in antarctica like it froze over and maybe it became a little bit stronger than actual vibranium ah. um yeah so Ooh, that's good. yeah and then bucky is like sent on a mission to like find out about this because of falcon and winter soldier like he he's you know like um interrogating baron zemo and like baron zemo maybe had been contracted by thunderbolt ross to like take out the avengers uh but so all the while they have this base going on uh in antarctica oh, and you're on that good I'm shit. Sorry. you're on that good shit. Call you, baby. <laughs> Call i was nervous him. about this okay. yeah yo my man is on a roll i am into it yeah so Colin, Colin, who's so who's your deal what baby clearly he's got some stuff <laughs> got the moon rocks baby Give his information out right here on the yeah. podcast. All right, I'm sending it out. Let's see. First, last <laughs> tell, name. Tell him, address. hey, we're looking. We're, I'm, I'm airdropping it to anyone who's listening. <laughs> so, my, <laughs> so, so we do need our, our first sponsor if he's available. Right. Yeah. <laughs> At yourself so in the like, comments. Realistically, like this week's yeah, sponsor yeah. for tonight, we marvel. Cody right. will be doing that ad for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Cody, can you do an ad drop? <laughs> So the person I really want to see introduced through this is the White Wolf. I really just want to see his costume, but because y'all, I mean, y'all know how much I love Bucky, and like I feel like this storyline of him being like, uh, 
contracted to be a secret police is kind of good for him because like we've seen the man out of time like storyline already with cap and he gets his happy ending but like bucky's an interesting character because this man killed iron man's parents and he's still a good guy you know like so he can be a man out of time and like he can be kind of like set out to do what he's good at be the secret police he's uh he gets a suit designed by shuri that has like cloaking abilities which it does in the comics um to yeah correct me if i'm wrong his suit is just like white black panther but with like more bat yeah. ears right? yeah yep right okay yeah that's what i thought so i mean, i i think that'd be cool to see and then next thing you know he goes to infiltrate this base and you find weapon x there in an I, I dig it that's that is fantastic what if played by oh, of course. What if, I mean, I'm just long shot here. Let's say that all that happens, Cullen. What if Bucky's infiltration or White Wolf's infiltration of that base to discover the Weapon X program, what if he accidentally lets out Wolverine? That's what I'm hoping. That would be or, pretty sick. Or this might hurt really Cullen's feelings a lot. What if Wolverine's first fight is White Wolf? Is with John Ham. Just claps him. <laughs> Played by John, and he claps him, and that's the end. Of, and that's the end for him. John Ham played by himself. Ref- uh, the end credits he, of the referee, film are, are the fight. played over the scene can, of can, cheek clapping. Can we say that? Like, do how how much further do we see Bucky's story arc going in the MCU? That's what I was about to say. Like. You know, next to Hawkeye, which he he was dead two movies ago. I think this is just a corpse now, <laughs> right? But like, but I'm, but yeah, I'm with you. Like, you didn't see that coming. The only thing is, like, we, we're definitely gonna. He's definitely gonna be in this first installment of you know Falcon and Winter Soldier. But like after that, like what you know. So I'm with you. Like I I could see his story arc ending shortly. I wouldn't say immediately. Right. I'm, I'm with you on that, Colin. I, I mean, I, I can see, like, like, I, well, I cannot see him, obviously, going to space and fighting these cosmic battles. Right. Uh, I, I, I'm sure, I, I really can't, like, tell what the plan is for Sam as uh, as Captain America, but, like, I know it's bigger than what Bucky's overall story arc is going to be. Or I, I, I don't I know, think Bucky's I feel- here, much like Hawkeye is for his daughter. Bucky's here for the first mm-hmm. installment to get Sam set up as Captain America, and that's going to be the end. And I think after that, right. it will change. And I, I it, it's he's such a it's so weird. Like we watched him kill multiple people on screen, and he's still a good guy. Unless they unless they do something like what you're talking about, Colin, like something drastically different with him, like shifting him over to being White Wolf. I really don't think that beyond Falcon and Winter Soldier, there, there's anywhere else right. for Bucky to go. Like, what is he going to do? He's, he's going to be Sam exactly Bucky as the new. Yeah, character. I can't see that. Right. But I mean, how he, that I mean, at this point, he gets like five lines a movie, and <laughs> and all he does is it's shoot built a in gun. His contract. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. yeah. He needs to do something completely different if he's going to maintain or he disappears and honestly so let's say like finds it and then like is captured and then he's like he doesn't come back around into wolverine 
What if he's maybe? maybe? Yeah, he gets captured because and they turn he, him into or he gets too close. Yeah, well, he gets too close. He gets too close to the answers. And mm-hmm. and honestly, I could see I could see Bucky living the rest of his life as a like meditative pacifist in Wakanda, like just avoiding everything. Yeah, I feel like that's the only way forever. that I, I see, see him. That, able, like, I see that because of the quote. Like, to Cohen's point and Jason's point that like you continue to say like how does someone who's done so much you know negative to a character that is so worshipped in the MCU how does how does he stay redeemable? And I think that that is literally right. by remaining a right. pacifist. You know, until the end times. I don't. I, the only other option I see as far as how he would head out would be to literally make some sort of grand sacrifice. As as he's as this like final thing is is happening, whatever it is, he's falling off something or he's jumping into a reactor that's about to blow or some shit. As he's jumping in, he just says, "I'ma see you," <laughs> and you can see it. His mouth. I love it. All right, what's your villain? All right. Well- my villain just copy and paste everything we've said about Norman Osborn so far and inserts Wilson Fisk. Kingpin. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I like the more grounded approach there, too. Mm. Because uh, I also feel like with him comes an easier introduction. And I, I didn't really write anything down for that uh, of Daredevil. Right. Which could also potentially be uh, Peter Parker's lawyer. That would be yeah, that would be cool. I would like to see that. Um, Him and Craven the Hunter in court. So I, I guess with Kingpin, man, like Kingpin looks like a villain. Like he just looked right. like that one's really hard. Where Norman, when Osborne, like he he looks like a businessman. He you could you could you you could fool me for a little bit with him. But Kingpin's just big fat mob dude. Like he's just that guy. So like, like mm. that one's a little on screen. That one's gonna be a little more tough to sell unless you cast him perfectly. But Fair. where with Norman Osborn, I can see more of that plot point. But I do agree that if you want Daredevil in the MCU, like, like we got we got to get him in quickly. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, Wilson Fisk. I think Vincent D'Onofrio played a great. Fisk. Yeah. I, I would love to see him back in if if they're re, if they're bringing some of the cast back from the canceled shows and like incorporating them into the MCU is kind of like a sorry you did a great job so let's reboot this character with you. I would like to mm-hmm. see Vincent D'Onofrio yeah. come along. Same same with Charlie Cox. Yeah. Yeah, same with Charlie Cox 100%. Um if he does it for whatever reason, whatever. Um I honestly think, and this you know might not be popular, but because of Kingpin and his stature, I honestly think the Big Show would be a great Kingpin. He's legitimately seven feet tall. He's legitimately four hundred and fifty pounds, and he's a big, bald, scary man. Um, and I think having someone of that kind of size and stature, and obviously he knows how to stunt fight. Um, I think that would be a really interesting. Uh, Could you imagine them all shaved up though? Yeah, of course. You kidding me? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the the thing I like more about um, Cullen's input with uh, Kingpin is after the snap and the world being in sort of that that half of us are gone chaos and trying to rebuild themselves prior to Hulk snap bringing everybody back. What a great gap. What a great hole that that a crime boss uh, or a mafia boss could fill. Yeah. 
but Kingpin sees opportunity right away. And that's how he builds his empire so quickly underground. Yeah. Taking control of the chaos. So yeah, Kingpin could very well be in operation. I love it. I dig it. Yeah, that's, that's good shit. Well, well had done, fucking notes, man. Mm-hmm. Sure did, baby. Yeah, I had right. to. I was nervous coming in. I was like, this is it. This has to be a performance. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to start with Adam Warlock Fuck. as my hero. And the, all right. So the yes, reason I why I, I, I am literally only doing this, Brett, because I want to disagree with you. I do think he will come in oh. as probably like a villain of some sort, but I, re- I think he's going to be Star Lord's nemesis, just kind of how Thor was in Endgame, where he's going to be the shiny new thing and super powerful, and like Guardians are going to take him as a threat, and like Adam's going to be like, what the fuck? Like, who are y'all? Like, you know, just like play with them and like not take them seriously. Which is gonna make Peter Quill even more pissed off because he's trying to show off in front of Thor because now he's like, like this is my ship, this is my team. Let me show you. I'm gonna take on this threat, and Adam's like, I'm not a threat. Like, what's going on here? Like, I could just see that kind of dynamic between them. But why I really want Adam to come back is I think what he will bring is the cosmic, the cosmic gods later on down the road. Like he's gonna be. I could see him bringing back the uh, Infinity Stones mm. and bringing that in back into whatever main event has to come out. But I do believe he's not a character that will be in every Marvel movie. I think he'll get introduced and he'll go on the shelf for a little while and then he'll come back kind of like Captain Marvel. Uh, but yeah, he'll have to yeah. be used sparingly because he's, he's the soul gem. Like he's literally I an mean, Infinity Stone. Like, I mean, Look, we we talked about um, we talked earlier about Sentry being the Superman right of the MCU or well, right. well Marvel. Um, if that's the case, then Adam Warlock is the Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. So, I, like it, that, you can't use somebody. Fun like fact: that. Like Adam Warlock, I think he'll come in literally as an anti-hero. He'll be there. We will never get this podcast <laughs> monetized. Did y'all hear me? Yep. <sighs> but. Mm-hmm. I think he will come as. Oh, a, I heard you. Uh, come. Uh, I think he will come on as an antihero, he, maybe uh, a threat, but not like not the threat that like, like he's. Not, I can't see him being the villain. Um, I think he will come in more of as just as he's this that powerful, and you'll see a display of that power. Yeah, and then you'll see him go out and like be with like yeah. other like other cosmic entities, but not him. Like. Uh, yeah. I think he gets released as a villain and then realizes, oh, no, yeah, I don't want like to do how, this. This um, is bad. And then like he, Vision, right? Like immediately born into like sentient being. Yeah. But he was also, right. I mean, Adam Warlock was literally created okay. to go and destroy the Guardians, according to the MCU. So. Yeah. So he has to right. open some right. villainous And then he realizes that he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my, my villain, Nathaniel... Essex. Does anybody know who that is? Nope. I I know I do. Mr. But I don't think everybody else does. Is like rivals of the X-Men. And w- I would do something completely different with this guy. So what he is, is he's a biologist that's actually from the 1800s. His son died and he starts to do like testing and mutant so he can create genes to bring his son dead son back and uh, he becomes Mr. Sinister. 
Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, that's what he does. So what I would see, like, you, obviously you can't go back to the 1800s and get this guy, right? So what I would do in this situation is put him in a Marvel movie as like a biologist trying to help find out more about mutants. Like once people are starting to understand who mutants are, like he's like a head of a lab somewhere, maybe even Oscorp or whatever. And he's trying to do research and his son has an accident while he's doing this. And then he uses that capability and then turns into Mr. Sinister. And then he becomes basically immortal. And then he becomes the arch nemesis of the X-Men. Where it would be more of a slow burn, like he would be introduced in a movie as almost like Professor Hulkish. Like he's not going to be a fighter. He's not going to go into anything like that. He's got all of this knowledge. He's he's coming in as almost an assistant, or I'm trying to help out. And then tragic tragedy happens, and then he takes advantage of it, like any supervillain does. And then, but what would the cool moment would be much like Osborne. As soon as you hear that name, Nathaniel Essex, you're like wait what like hold on like that's mr sinister and then like maybe a couple movies later is when you see his actual plot come come to foil so jason let me um and actually this is for everybody um I, this is one of my little fun facts that i'm gonna throw out here so in the trailer the i don't know if it's in the most recent one because i know they've done a, a more recent one but in one of the trailers for that uh, pretty much fucking cursed movie, The New Mutants, um, you can clearly see uh, a sign for the Essex yeah. building. Uh, so they did reference that in New Mutants. Um, and as relevant to this podcast in particular, there was going to be an end credits stinger where Nathaniel Essex is revealed. Uh, so they set up Mr. Sinister and he was played oh, by John. Oh, oh, my anxiety just peaked. Oh, hold on, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. It's it better. Um, apparently, during the reshoots for the New Mutants, Fox hated that scene, and John Hamm was super expensive. So Fox recast John Hamm. In the end credit stinger as Mr. Sinister with Antonio <laughs> Banderas. <laughs> so I don't know because now obviously uh, Disney and Marvel have control over that and they're for whatever fucking reason still releasing the new mutants. Uh, hey, I told you, I know. I, I think new mutants somewhere. is going to be productive in getting what mutants are to the average fan. Like it's not that. New, mo- New sure. Mutants is not for us. It's not. It's not for us. I am very intrigued to see which one of those end credits or mid credits scenes Antonio end up Banderas. in the final product. My vote is Banderas all the way, please. But, I mean, if Fox had oh, John Hamm's too expensive. Disney's all about blah, it. Blah, obviously, John Hamm has some weights to him. Disney will be like, <laughs> You will bring in John Ham, but then again, they probably wouldn't. If John Ham would be a fucking phenomenal Mr. Sinister, too. It's this Jason, the scene was filmed. I don't know, man, it's gotta be. I'm literally going down that road. Was filmed. What a heartbreaker. I wanted to bring it back around at the end. Yeah, this is uh, because you know, John Ham is brought to you by this is a ham cast, and uh. (laughs) this is the ham cast. John Ham, if you're listening, come on the show. 
please. What about right, Michelle cool. Rodriguez as Mr. Sinister? You stop it right now. <laughs> <laughs> One more ride. <laughs> I didn't know this. Uh, I didn't know this until recently. Wait, 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 wait. What? What's up? 